Hello everyone, welcome back to Young and Wifed Up. This is Gabby and thank you for joining us today for another episode. Before we get started today, I have a few announcements. First, if you have not caught up on our last episodes, head to youngandwifedup.com. Also, I'm going to be linking our guests blog on their website today, so make sure you check that out. Also, if you're not a part of our Facebook group, it's just called Young and Wifed Up. Make sure to join because we have book clubs starting in a couple weeks. So let me talk to you about book clubs. So this is our first time doing a book club. I'm a little unsure how it's going to go, but I'm really excited because we're going to be reading Let Me Be a Woman by Elizabeth Elliot. Um, if you don't know who Elizabeth Elliot is, you're going to get to know her. She's an amazing, godly woman, and she wrote a lot of amazing literature, just a really sanctified woman of God, and I'm so excited for us to learn from her. So make sure you pick up a copy of the book. Um, doesn't matter if you get a Kindle version or hard copy, just make sure you get a copy before June 7th because that's when we're going to start our book, book club discussions. We'll be doing a chapter a week and we'll be doing a weekly discussion thread on our Facebook group. So make sure to um, head and join our Facebook group before June 7th so that you can participate in the book club. All right. So that's all the announcements I have today. Um, Let's take a quick break and we'll be back with this week's guest. Marcella, guess what? What? Last night, I made our dinner entirely out of incredible food that could have been thrown out as waste and headed to the landfill. No way. How? Imperfect Foods. Imperfect Foods is a weekly grocery delivery service on a mission to build a better, less wasteful food system. They offer a full lineup of sustainable, affordable groceries that make the weekly tour of grocery shopping an effortless and delightful experience. Imperfect Foods partners with food suppliers, farmers, and small businesses to ensure that delicious food goes into our pantries and instead of the landfill. I feel like you started that sentence really weird. I did. Anyway, you guys have got to try it. Get $20 off your first Imperfect Foods delivery by using our link at youngandwifedup.com. Get it. Okay, everyone. Today, I am joined by a lovely woman. I'm so excited for you guys to meet her. Um, Today, I'm recording inside of her lovely house. And if you hear a dog or an air conditioner (laughs) or any any unknown noises, um, that's because we're inside of her house in her dining room. So please excuse if there's a little bit of noise in the background. But yeah, so we are in Newberry Springs, California, which I think the closest... Um, big town that you might know if you know the California area is Barstow. That's correct. Um, So yeah, so this is Marissa Mace and Marissa has a blog called The Encouraged Crumb. I'm going to link that on our website. You need to read her blog. Like if this is the only thing that you get from today's episode, give her all the love, go read her blog, comment on it, share it with your friends. It is so encouraging to my heart and I know it'll be to yours. So Marissa, how are you today? I'm good. I'm glad you're here. Me too. I'm so happy. (laughs) Yeah. So her and her husband um, uh, used to live in our area, but I think it's been a year and a half since you guys have moved. And so we miss them so much, but we were so happy that we got to come make the trek a couple hours um, east, right? Is this east of where we are? Don't ask me direction. I don't know. (laughs) It's it's further into the desert than we normally are. And so we made the trek out here and we're staying the weekend with them. So I'm so happy to be here with you. So let's get to know you a little bit before we get into our big topics today. So Marissa, how do you know Marcella and I? 
Well, um, you and Marcelo were a part of the youth group that Ray was pastoring. And uh, we fell out of touch for a while, but um, the Lord providentially brought our lives back together again. So I'm we've, so happy. We've known each other for a while. and Yeah. Uh, How old was I when, when you guys moved and became in the ministry at our church at the time? I can't remember. What year was that? I know you that? were in the high school year group. Year group. High school <laughs> youth group. Um, I don't know. I... I'm like trying to think what year it was. So I think I've known you since I think it was 2000, mm, 2010. Does that sound right? Well, Faith was born in 2010. And so she was really little. She was, I think she was two. Okay. So um, maybe like the end of 2011, beginning of 2012. Okay. I don't yeah. Know. yeah. I'm like trying to think how long I've known you. So maybe nine years. I know that. When you you graduated in the youth group, yes, I did, and I graduated so, in twenty twelve. We were there for two years. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, so I've known you for almost ten years then. Yes, so that's crazy, and I've known you in two different lifetimes. I feel like yes, because <laughs> we both knew each other when we were in a, a different t- kind of church, right. and then now we know each other now. And Mar- uh, Marcella and I were really blessed by you and your husband's ministry to us when we were high schoolers. And now I'm, I look at you and Ray like spiritual parents to me. Like seriously, you guys really are a big part of my life and even Ryan's life now. So we love you guys so much. And so I'd love for you to talk about your blog a little bit. So can you tell our listeners about your blog, what it's about and what prompted you to start writing it? Sure. Um, My blog encouraged Crumb. Um, It's interesting, um, the name of it, because I always feel crummy. So, um, and and I used to come out and and I would say, Ray would ask me, you know, how are you feeling? And I'm like, I feel pretty crummy. He's like, are you a super crumb today? And I'm like, yeah, I'm a super crumb. And so like, it kind of, uh, the name of it, um, that's where I got the name. But um, writing has always been really cathartic for me. Hmm. Um, But not only that, I believe it's one of the ways that the Lord has allowed me to be an encouragement to others, particularly in the church. Yeah. And, um, you know, coming out here, I had all kinds of grand ideas of how I would carry on ministry as a pastor's wife. Hmm. I saw myself serving along um, Ray in every possible way. Um, But last May, I was hit uh, with a wrecking ball of an illness. And in August of 2020, I was diagnosed with lupus, Sjogren's, Raynaud's, and a whole other avalanche of health issues um, began as a result of that. So I remember laying helpless in my bed and crying out to the Lord and asking him how I could possibly serve him now mm. when most of my days are spent being debilitated. Um, I kept focusing on all the things that I could no longer do, and I fell quickly into a deep depression. I had to come to a place of complete dependence and acknowledge that I could do nothing apart from Christ. Mm. Um, There are things that I no longer can do, but there are things that I can, like write. Yeah. And so, you know, I was focusing on all the things that I wanted to do. And and when I thought about it, I'm like, that's what's left. (laughs) I can write. (laughs) I can write. And... My husband has always been one of my biggest fans. And so he kept dangling like a little carrot in front of me to try to inch back into writing. Mm-hmm. He's always encouraged encouraged me to continue to write. And um, so when I told him, you know, that I was going to start writing again, it was a really 
um, big um, encouragement to him to hear that I was going to do that. And so when we were, you know, talking about names, you know, I think I think he might have helped me come up with that name, the Encouraged Crumb. It's so genius. So <laughs> I think it's so awesome. So what what is the kind of content that my listeners can look forward to reading um, in your blog? So it's basically it's it's basically my my life's journey from feeling like a crumb to being an encouraged crumb mm. in any facet of life because um you know I I can talk about a lot of different things on there it really it just depends on what the lord is stirring up in my in my heart to write about um usually it has it revolves around some kind of you know um uh, thing that he's teaching me. Okay. And, and if that can be an encouragement to others, then I share that. Yeah, no, that's yeah. so awesome. I think I've benefited a lot from your blog just because I, I was sharing with you earlier, having a chronic illness myself, it's hard to find positive, uh, like what's the word I'm looking for? Like positive, but like not, not, optim like overly optimistic like i feel like you come from a place of like this is what the lord has given me <laughs> you yeah. know what i mean and so what am i going to do with it now yeah. you know what i mean and so i think for me as a reader of your blog i'm encouraged by the hope that you have in christ and just like the like the real like the day-to-day -day, like this is where i'm at like i'm in the pit you know what i mean yes and then just ending on you know Christ being your hope you know is just like the biggest encouragement to me so I think anybody that could be going through any type of suffering can really um, be encouraged by a lot of the things that you've written especially like oh, I can't remember which which one it was I should have had it up ready but you talked about pride in one of them or like <laughs> whining or like yes. something like that and man that was like so convicting to me <laughs> After that, I was like, Ryan, I'm sorry. I'm, I, all I do is whine and complain. <laughs> but it was like good. Like it was like I needed that kind of like kick in the butt. You know what oh, I mean? So that. yeah. So guys, I seriously go check out her blog. So okay, if you can give us a snapshot summary of your life, and I know that's hard, but because <laughs> you've you've lived a lot of life. But yeah. like, if you were able to give me a snapshot summary of your life to give our listeners kind of some perspective of who you are as a person and kind of what the Lord has brought you through because I think when I kind of get into the topics of discussion today I want to have them know get to know you a little okay. bit better to see where you're coming from sure um where do I begin <laughs> um, <laughs> it would take a book so Seriously. I will try to do this in a very short um concise um, <laughs> manner okay so um my short 39 years on this earth have been marked with a lot of loss, sorrow, and pain. Um, but they have also been a testament to the Lord's faithfulness, loving kindness, power, and forgiveness. Um, a lot of my life as a child, um, being from a divorced family and experiencing sexual abuse at the hands of family members, uh, shaped my view of the world and my place in it. Um, a friend of mine said the Prince song, Little Red Corvette, reminded her of me. I was going way too fast. Um, I met Ray our freshman year of high school at the age of 14 and became pregnant at 15. 
although Ray was pleading otherwise, I was intent on having an abortion um, until one day a friend from school handed me a pamphlet with the stages of a baby growing in the womb, and it changed my mind. And Elysia is 23 years old. Praise God. Yes. Um, We graduated high school, and Ray went straight into the Marine Corps. Uh, We were married in 2001, and just six months after our wedding, September 11th happened, and off he went on a nonstop deployment cycle for the rest of his eight years in the Marine Corps. Uh, Four wartime deployments to Iraq took a huge toll on our marriage and family. Um, Since childhood, I was a professing believer, involved in church life, even ministry, but I was not saved. I... I had a belief in God, read mm-hmm. his word, um, but did not have a regenerate heart. So I continued in a lifestyle of sin for the first half of our marriage. While Ray was on his last deployment to Iraq, I relapsed after 10 years of being clean. And we separated, and Ray wanted a divorce. Mm. Eight months later, um, by God's grace, he used another traumatic event in our lives, which I won't get into, to fuse our relationship back together again. And I praise God um, for that. Yeah. Um, so two miscarriages and 12 years later, he blessed us with our daughter, Faith. And I'm going to hit the fast forward button now because it would take forever if I just <laughs> got into everything. Um, so raised in seminary, uh, we have a prodigal daughter. And we just downsized from a two-story uh, large home. And we moved into a 28-foot trailer. We were told I would most likely not get pregnant again due to my reproductive health issues. Um, That was a very hard thing for me to accept. Mm. But what I didn't know was that secretly for years, Ray had been praying for a son. (laughs) And eight years later, the Lord answered his prayer. So here we are, you know, in an RV, um, (laughs) raised in seminary, and I find out I'm, I'm pregnant. And I believe I was, let's see, Zephaniah is three years old, so I was 37, 38, 39, wait, yeah, 37 when I had him. Um, so I was on bed rest my entire pregnancy. Uh, the doctors repeatedly told us the pregnancy wasn't viable. Um, my pregnancy with Faith was difficult as well, and it seems as though every one of our children have come under outside uh, pressure to abort. Um, mm-hmm. And, uh, but the Lord is the giver and taker of life, and we trusted him. Amen. Shortly after giving birth to Zephaniah, my body went into self-destruct mode. And four weeks after delivery, I was back in the hospital with gallstones, pancreatitis, liver, and kidney damage. They removed my gallbladder, and then about a year later, due to an enlarged uterus, uh, fibroids, and heavy bleeding, I had a hysterectomy. Um... That was a very, very difficult time um, for our family, especially because Ray was a full-time seminary student and doing ministry and then taking care of me, and I was on bed rest. And it was, it kind of prepared us for what we've been facing now um, because some of the habits that we, um, you know, built back then have really helped us now in this stage of my life. Um, So Ray graduated from seminary um, in December, Well, Ray graduated from seminary, and then in December 2020, um, he answered the call to take on the pastorate here in Newberry Springs, a little church here, and we love it. Um, But when we got here, I found myself 
just feeling really, really sick. And I didn't know what it was from. I didn't know if it was, like, stress or all the constant moving because we moved, like, I think, like, six times in 2020. So, yeah, (laughs) I didn't know if it was just I was tired. I mean, I I still was recovering from my hysterectomy. I mean, I had a little baby. It was – I didn't know what it was. Um, So little did I know that it was lupus all along. Um, it had been slowly and methodically deteriorating so many systems in my body. So, um, now, um, from what I know now, um, it's attacking my, my gastrointestinal system, my vascular system, um, my neurological, there's just lots of things going on there right now. Um, my skeletal, my joints, my cognitive abilities, like I, I had no idea the extent that it it had been attacking my body for so long. And so as the diagnosis came, um, you know, it's been a year now. Mm. And, um, well, it'll be a year in August. It's just been slowly unfolding just what it's been doing in my body. Yeah. And um, so, you know, after my diagnosis in August of 2020, I was in a state of prolonged denial, like for almost a year. <laughs> Um, and by God's grace, I finally come to a place of acceptance and it truly has brought me peace. I mean, um, yeah, I, I just was in denial. I thought that the tests were wrong. I thought that I would, and then I would get retested for something and I kept hoping, okay, this'll, this'll clear everything up. They'll say, you know, we made a mistake or whatever. (laughs) And this is, you know, you're clear. And every time the test would come back and it would confirm everything and then add some more things on, I was like. It would hit me all over again because I was in denial that I was actually sick, right. even though I knew I was sick. I know I'm sick, um, but I just didn't want to accept it. But when I came to the place of just truly accepting it and knowing that the illness has brought so many good things spiritually in my, in my life um, and knowing that I share in the sufferings of Christ, um, I didn't understand what that meant before. I do mm. now. And... Um, and I, and I have joy now. I have peace now. Um, it's not that I don't suffer and that I don't have hard days and that I don't get depressed and I don't feel like I wish that this wasn't happening. It's just, I'm content with wherever the Lord has me. And I, I'm at the point now where I don't, I don't want him to take it from, I don't want him to take the sickness from me until it's done doing its work in me because I know it's doing a work in me. Yeah, no, and I think from the outside looking in, um, I don't know what your day-to-day is, and but when I've talked to you a lot over the past five years in our relationship, and I feel like you, you don't hide when, when you're suffering and when you're struggling, but it's still like the perspective of God is still glorified through it. You know what I mean? It's like this is what the Lord has given you. I think that it's a perspective that a lot of people need to hear because I feel like there can be a there can be a lot of um, oversight, um, especially because what you have not a lot of people can see. Right. You don't look sick, and yeah. that's what people tell me too. And so, and I hate that. You know, I'm like, yeah. well, what do you want me to? Like, I know. Do you want me to be crying? <laughs> you <laughs> do know you want me to cry in front of you? <laughs> you know what I thought about one time? I used to get offended when people told me like. 
you don't look sick. And then yeah. I started thinking like, you know what? Do I really want to look like I feel on the inside, yeah. outside? I really don't. Yeah. So No, and that's how I <laughs> you know? feel too. Like people will say, you're too young to yeah. be in pain like this. Or you're too, you're too young and healthy and happy and... And you're still working, and I'm like, but you don't see. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Like, there's an internal battle happening, and like, I'm glad that not a lot of people can tell that I'm sick, but then still, like, there's like this weird, I don't know, there's like this weird stigma of like, no, I have to perform com- well all the time. You know what I mean? So that people don't think that I'm sick or whatever. But I think that, yeah, I think that God is glorified in when we are suffering and and we're still able to be joyful because even like the psalms are oh the psalms are like my favorite they're so good so much earnest crying out to the lord and like pleading with him for help but then like in the same breath like praising him for all of his goodness you know right. i feel like that's that's something that we really need to cling to. So with that in mind, um, thank you for sharing um, your story with us. And I, I know there's a lot of gaps and there's stuff. So there's many so many gaps. There's so much. But, but still, I think, yeah. yeah, all the really important highlights, I think you were able to touch on. And I hope that um, my listeners are encouraged by it. Um, so let's get into our points of discussion, starting with suffering. So... When we are in a season of suffering, how can we um, practically cling to the Lord and his promises? Because there's a lot of talking about it. Like, mm-hmm. we're like, just trust in God. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like so easy to say and right. like edify each other with those words. But like, how do we day to day in the depths, you know, right. practically cling to the Lord? I would say the best way to practically cling to the Lord um in times of suffering is to train for godliness daily. Like mm. you just, you just train for it. You prepare for it. Um, James one, two through four says, consider it all joy. My brothers, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith brings about perseverance and let perseverance have its perfect work so that you may be perfect and complete lacking in nothing. Mm. So the everyday discipline of reading God's word, spending time in dedicated prayer are a must. Um, the, that way when your world gets turned upside down, because it will, yeah, even, in one way or another, in one way <laughs> or another, you can hold tightly to the words he's already implanted in your soul. Right. Day in, day out faithfulness in his word creates a firm foundation for trusting in him. So the more you know him, the more you're able to trust him. And so when things come your way, you're like, uh, one of my favorite things to cling to is it's always the same verse. It's Psalm eighty four eleven. He withholds no, he withholds no good thing from those who walk uprightly. Mm. And so, if there's something that I'm asking for and I'm praying for, and he's withholding it, I'm like, okay, he's not withholding it because it's good. It, it's it's not good for me for, sh- for whatever reason. Yeah. Maybe not in this moment. It's not good for me. Or maybe yeah. it will never be good for me. I don't know. <laughs> um, or when something comes my way that I don't think it's good, I'm like. He withholds no good thing. Like this is, he's sovereign, Mm -hmm. you know, um, anything that comes to me, it it has, it has to pass through his hands first. So, and I know him, I know he's kind. I know he's loving. I know he's just, I know he's righteous. I know he's holy. All those things, all those attributes. I mean, and even more, um, I think about those things, you know, like 
that I can trust him. Yeah. Everything comes through his hands. I can trust him. Do you think that um, if we are preparing for a season of suffering um, and then we get into it, do you think that our conduct will be reflected upon the, the preparation that we did? Oh, for sure. Yeah. For sure. I mean, because it's it's the testing mm-hmm. of your faith. And mm-hmm. not that it, you're going to test like your faith, like whether you're saved or not. It's right. It's right. the... It's the testing to see that it's sure that, it, I mean, that's the, that's the testing that James talks about, you know, um, that's how we can consider it all joy because the testing of your faith brings about perseverance and let perseverance have its perfect work. A perseverance is not a short, a short thing. Perse- right. You need perseverance for a long thing. So you, you let it, you let it run its course so it does its perfect work mm-hmm. so that you're complete and lacking in nothing. And so you're, you're, you're din- day in, day out, just being faithful to the word, you know. And so that when trials come, I mean, your, your foundation is, is secure. Um, yeah. There's a quote from Elizabeth Elliot, and I'm so happy that you guys are going through that book, Let yeah, Me Be a Woman. So I excited. love that. I remember Ray brought that book home for me one time, and the the, it was the, the cover was really old and I'm like I thought he was joking I thought it was a joke <laughs> you're like Ew, what is I'm this? like what is this <laughs> and um <laughs> he's like oh it was recommended and I saw it at the bookstore and I got it for you and I was like okay and I read it and I was like this book is so good it is so good um, awesome I'm excited but uh, another Elizabeth Elliot um quote in one of her books a path through suffering says um Teach me to treat all that comes to me with peace of soul and with firm conviction that your will governs all. In unforeseen events, let me not forget that all are sent by you. Mm. And that is just, it's a constant recalling to your mind. Yeah. You know, it's a, it's a battle. Yeah. And, um, yeah, you, you, you win it with the word of God and that's your sword. Amen. So. No, that's awesome. Um, do you have any other thoughts under this topic, or are we ready to move on? Did I answer your question? I you don't did. remember. Okay. You absolutely did. <laughs> okay. <laughs> You're good? Yeah. Okay. So let's kind of go to a completely different direction, okay. kind of kind of in the same realm, but still a different direction. So this is something that you have always, whenever you've counseled me over the years, you talk to me about this dying thing, okay? <laughs> and I know that dying is biblical language for sure, but you always say it like, it's just like, you just have to die, Gabby. Like, you just have to die. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> but there's some, I feel like dying, let's let's talk about dying, okay? okay? And then um, why, why the dying thing is totally contrary to what the world is telling us as women, because the world tells us to lift ourselves up, to put ourselves before our families, to live life to the fullest. You know, we only have one life. Let's do it. Um, and when it, whenever it comes to marriage conflict, social tension, sinful habits, I mean, all those things, the world is infiltrate is, I mean, it's always infiltrated the church, but I feel like there's this almost next level infiltration especially for women mm-hmm. of this you know elevating ourselves up um right. because we've been in the shadows and mm-hmm. all that stuff but why it's 
saying that we must die is very countercultural. So why must we die when it seems like we already have so much on our plates? We have our children that we have to take care of. We have work. We have duties. We have like whatever is on our plates. Why must we also die um, as well? Yeah, um, that's a that's a really good question. Um, we die because he did. Uh, he set the example uh, for us. The bearing of our crosses daily is a picture of dying. Hmm. It's not just like, oh, I'm bearing this cross. No, it's you bear a cross to die. You <laughs> die. You die daily. You we carry our cross to be crucified. So, Galatians two twenty says, "I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me." And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself up for me. So he must increase, I must decrease. Yeah. Uh, Philippians 2, 1 through 5 says, there, Therefore, if there is any encouragement in Christ, if any consolation of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affliction and compassion, make my joy complete by being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit but with humility consider one another as more important than yourself selves <laughs> i don't know where that accent came from okay <laughs> do not merely look out for your own personal interests but also for the interests of others have this attitude in yourselves which was also in christ jesus so we don't look at our plates we look at christ yes so how, okay, so can you give me some examples that maybe, because um, our, most of our listeners are in the age range of young married 20 to like 35-ish, okay? okay? So can you give me some examples of a woman in my position, um, why, in a day I face a conflict with my husband how, how am I going to die in that situation when I want my way? You know what I mean? What must I do? You know what I mean? Like, how do I practically die in a situation where my husband and I are um, going at each other? Or, my, or if a, ch- a child is disrespecting me and I want to react. Or um, my workplace is... Um, I'm not being treated fairly at my workplace. Mm-hmm where's the dying coming in in those situations right so uh, all the things that you mentioned to me i think of you know what what our what our rights are what Hmm. our desires are um and and not all not all things are bad we don't desire you know some of our desires are not bad Mm mm-hmm but when they cause us to sin, if like for instance, like um, yesterday, I had a really really rough day. Mm-hmm. I had a, physically, it was just a really hard day. And if my goal of you know cleaning something is gonna cause me to mistreat <laughs> my family, yeah, because of it, my goal of cre- cleaning my desire of cleaning something is not a bad thing. Right. But it becomes sin when I sin against God and I sin against others to get what I want. Mm. So, you know, we need to check ourselves. You know, are we, are we conducting ourselves in a way that honors the Lord? Yeah. Are we sinning against our family members in order to get what we want? One thing I have to talk to myself 
preach to myself a lot about, usually in the midst of a conflict, is do I want to be right or do I want to honor the Lord? Yeah. Is my goal to honor the Lord and be at peace with my husband even if he's wrong? Yeah. <laughs> can it's I can so I hard. stomach can I stomach being right? But you know, um submitting to whatever yeah. he's you know, his opinion is or whatever and just letting the Lord work that out in him. Do I have to correct him? Do right. I have to be right? <laughs> you know, and so and and sometimes it hurts. I mean, like I'm standing there and I'm like, Lord, <laughs> I don't know. Like, help me not to open my mouth, <laughs> you know, or help me to be kind. Yeah. Help me to respond. Help me to ask for forgiveness in a way that actually honors him and not like it, like barely escaping out of my teeth. You yeah. know, like, am I, am I really seeking peace? Mm-hmm. You know, am I seeking peace or do I just want to be right? And that's how you die. Yeah. You know, you die. You, you think of Christ. You think of, you know, you know, he, he's the perfect example yeah. of being able to have a, have a holiness and not sin against others. Yeah. You know, and not that we're perfect, but we're it, called to be Christ. It makes me feel ashamed and embarrassed sometimes when I look back at a conflict I just had with Ryan and I just completely lost my ability to control myself. Mm-hmm. And then I'm thinking like Christ literally was humiliated and I, and more than just on the cross, you know, his humiliation before his exaltation right, was right, from right, birth. Right. You know what I mean? Right. And I'm here like, yes. I'm going to die on my petty like hill of you keep you you keep forgetting to push the chair in and then I walk by and stub my toe and (laughs) it's like are you kidding me Gabby like just it's embarrassing truly because we're so we get so caught up in ourselves right to where we're like we're forgetting that if we are adopted by (laughs) we are adopted daughters into the family of God and like Christ was humiliated for us to to be that and then I'm gonna be sinning against somebody because of my petty little thing that I just can't get over in right. that moment it's embarrassing to think about you or know? to even have the ability to overlook an offense right <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean that's to what over, I'm working on right now. Over, that, those, are, those are all opportunities and chances to die. Yeah. You know? I feel like anytime I do choose the better way, because it is always better when, when we die, there's almost an immediate blessing. Mm-hmm. You know? And it's so cool how God works it and how he sanctifies us like that. It's like, okay. Like, the Holy Spirit is working in me to make the better choice here. And there's immediately a blessing. Right. Almost immediately, every time. There is. And sometimes there are situations where you don't see the blessing, you know, and you won't see it until glory sometimes. You know, you Mm -hmm. won't see the fruit of your obedience to the Lord. But then there are days where, and it's usually in conflict with Ryan, where I immediately see a blessing because... Like he he saw that I made the better choice, mm-hmm. and we're able to be at peace with each other, right. and it's like wow, like 
I didn't have to yell and scream and have an attitude right. or whatever. <laughs> you know what I mean? So there's always I, yeah. a blessing in obedience. Yeah. Um, and it, and it's and it's just obeying the Lord. Yeah. That is our blessing, you know. Amen. That's awesome. Okay, so how do we? How do you? Okay, speaking to you, Marissa. How do you? nourish your spiritual health so that you are ready to take on whatever the Lord has for you that day. Yeah. So, (laughs) um, I, I cannot help but cry out to the Lord the moment I open my eyes. Mm. Um, and that is, I give thanks to the Lord for putting me in the position to where that's, that's what I have when I open my eyes, I, I wake up with differing levels of pain every morning. Um, some days are very, very difficult where I, well, most days I lay in bed for at least an hour. Mm-hmm. Um, just praying, um, and, and asking the Lord to help me to just get out of bed to use the restroom. Um, but for lupus, that wasn't the case. Okay. I just got up, went about my day, you yeah. know. Um, fit in your reading or prayer whenever yeah, you can. Yeah, I would, I would fit in my reading in the morning. I've always kind of, I've had a habit of reading in the morning forever. Cool. Um, and, but when with kids, you know, schedules change. Yeah. I usually take my time to read when Zephaniah goes down for his first nap. But since becoming ill... It, it, it starts in as soon as I open my eyes. Mm-hmm. As soon as I open my eyes, I'm praying. I'm asking the Lord for help. I'm realizing my need for him for the day. I, I go down the list of the things that I would like to do that day. And instead of just thinking I'm going to do them, which I know I have, the ab- I have no ability apart from Christ to accomplish anything, even taking a shower like for the yeah. day. So I say, you know, I would like to do X, Y, and Z. Lord, would you help me do those things? But if, if not, would you help me be content with whatever you have for me that day or whatever I can get done that day, mm-hmm. which is completely opposite from the way I used to be. I am a list-driven person. I like to start something and finish it. And I've had to learn to die in that area. Yeah. Um, and then I also have a bedside copy of just the Psalms. Um, and I reach for that and I read that um, first thing after I'm done praying and Sometimes I read one full chapter. Sometimes I read three. And I like to hold on to at least one verse or a thought and kind of mull over it um, for that morning. And um, it really helps me. I pray I ask for the ability to not sin against my family because when you're suffering, I think that is a ripe, ripe position to be in Mm -hmm. to sin. Yeah, weakness brings temptation. <laughs> so I do. I pray. I ask the Lord to help me not to be tempted towards anger, towards self-pity, towards yeah. um, being short and harsh, um, towards self-centeredness. And because that's that's a temptation. Those are temptations of mine. And I ask him to help me to have the ability to overcome them. Um, and so, yeah, like I said you know, before I get out of bed, that's, that's what I do. And then when my son goes down for his first nap at, at nine o'clock, usually that's when I spend my concentrated time studying God's word and reading extra biblical books and things like that. That's awesome. 
Do is there a particular day in the week that you feel like you spend maybe more time in the word? Or do you think you like try to like give equal days? Like is there a day that you is more free and I treat every day the same. Okay. Um, it depends on whether I have like an appointment early in the morning, right. like at the doctor's or something, then I may yeah. not I may not get to reading my word till later on that day, like mm-hmm. in the afternoon. But every morning I read my Psalms. Like I, I, it's like become a habit for me. Like I yeah. wake up, I pray, I reach over and it's right there and I grab it and I read it. And sometimes I can't even cognitively like comprehend some of the things <laughs> that I'm reading. Yeah. Um, but I trust that the Lord's word He'll is apply it to doing your heart. Yeah. what it's doing. Mm-hmm. And, um, but yeah, I, and on the days that I don't read, because there are some days like that, that I, I'm not able to read. I try to listen to an audio book or something like that. Yeah. Or, you know, when I don't do anything like that, it, I pay for it. Yeah. I pay for it. <laughs> um, I need his word. Mm-hmm. You know, his, his word is is necessary i yeah my family pays for it and i pay for it when i don't when i don't read (laughs) no i feel like yeah i feel like my guard is down if i'm not in the word as early as possible and even if it's just something so short like it really does change like your attitude really like almost immediately you know it's a lot easier to sin when you haven't been right you didn't put your armor on right Right. like (laughs) yeah and then like when and when somebody's singing against sinning against you you're more easily offended you're more you know what i mean you can't overlook things and of course yeah that's awesome um okay so what is something that you you know now um how long have you guys been married again we'll be married 20 years on june in 20 june. years wow that's so awesome yeah. <laughs> so you guys so almost 20 years of marriage what is something that you know now that you wish you knew as a newlywed he's not my enemy we're Oof. we're on the same team yeah. That's good, dude. And I have to remind myself of that even, you know, you know, yesterday. <laughs> I think that's something you taught me really early. I think it was even when we were engaged because whenever Ryan and I are in a conflict, we were, we say, we say that out loud to each other because you, you taught me that. And I think Ray talked to Ryan about that too when we were early in our marriage. And I'm so thankful, so thankful for that because <laughs> it really does help to like, say like i mean i guess not everybody has to do it but it helps us to say to each other you are not my enemy you know in the midst of conflict yeah because then you're like okay like this person we're a team this is it that's you and me you know (laughs) because it can be so easy easy to paint each other in that in that light (laughs) yeah no that's really good um do you have anything to add to that no okay cool so in the same in the same light, what are the biggest ways that we can encourage our husbands spiritually? And that's just another thing. I, I just, I'm thankful for the Lord for giving me the ability to see my need for him in this illness. Hmm. Um, lupus has, he's used lupus to teach me so much. Um, you know, we are our husband's helpmate. 
But the calling isn't just relegated to homemaking in the physical sense. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, cooking, cleaning, making our house as a home, etc. And that's where I used to focus all my energy. Mm. I'm a very... Um, like service oriented person. Yeah, hands on. So my way of showing love to my family and my children was doing things from for them. You know, the house was clean, their clothes were always clean, they always had what they needed, like dinner was made. That was the way I showed love to my family. And I wasn't a very affectionate person and not a very verbal like communicator like with encouragement or love or anything like that. I just figured they knew I loved them because I did stuff for yeah. them. Um but, you know, because we are their helpmates, when my abilities to do those things were taken, mm-hmm. I was like, well, what do I do now? Yeah. How do I help him? <laughs> you know, what am I left with? Yeah. You know, and, and I really came to see, like, here is where the Lord knew exactly what he was doing. He took those things for me so I could see the more important ways I could help my husband. Mm. And we get to be in our husband's corner. Every, every man is different. Um, they're just as fearfully and wonderfully made as women are and deserve the same amount of consideration and thought that women so often crave. You know, study your man. Um, I, it took me getting sick to study my man. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you know, sit when, sit when you're alone and ask the Lord to show you areas that you can come alongside him, you know, physically, spiritually, emotionally, and then express your desire to be a better helpmate to him and ask him if there's any ways that he can think of that you can be a better helpmate to him. Yeah. That was so helpful when I did that. When I asked him, how can I come alongside you? Mm-hmm. How can I help you? You know, and he shared those, he shared things with me and I was like, wow, like that's, I can do that. <laughs> you know, like that, yeah. I, why would, why didn't I ask this question right. sooner, you know? I feel like, yeah, I feel like you don't really think, you just do. Right. You know, if and I'm, if I'm meeting his physical needs, you know, that's it, right? Like I'm doing my job. <laughs> yeah. And then I asked him, you know, how can I pray for you? Like, what are the things you need prayer for? And he told me them and I wrote them down and I, and I, and I pray those things for him. And then I tell him, I, Hey, I'm praying for you. I'm praying for Mm. those things, you know? And, and when he's, when he's having a very difficult day, like a part of me wants to like, you know, talk to him about stuff. And then I'm like, I have to ask the Lord, is this the appropriate time to try to encourage him? What do you want me to do? What's the best way to help him? And sometimes it's just to give him a hug. Yeah. You know, he was having a really, really difficult day the other day. And, and my first thought was just to share, you know, scripture with him and encourage him. And then, and then I was just like, you know what, I'm just going to go hug him. And that's all, that's all it took. Yeah. That's all it took to give him, you know, the encouragement he needed. And he just breathed in deeply and was like, okay. Yeah. You know, I can, we can be a real comfort to our husbands and we don't even realize, you right. know, cause we, women, I feel like we crave more affection and intimacy, but men need it too. Yes, you know do. what I mean? Mm-hmm. And even just a gesture like that can really like change a lot of things for them. Mm-hmm. I feel like too, so this recently happened a couple months ago. I hate praying out loud. <laughs> I just, it's just not, 
it's just I can't. I don't know why I get so insecure. And so I we're going to like, ask you to pray for dinner tonight. <laughs> no. No. I think it's all those years of prayer circles. You oh. know, the popcorn prayer. Yeah. I just, ugh, it just gives me anxiety. And so whenever Ryan and I do our, like, devotions, family worship together, I never do. Like, you know, he'll pray. Okay, cool. Like, you pray for us and pray for our needs and the needs of our loved ones. But the other day, he was like, you know... I'd really like to hear you pray. Can you pray for me? And I was like, what? (laughs) You want me to pray out loud? And he's like, yeah, like just pray out loud for me. And he was so moved by me praying for him that I was like, oh no, I should have been doing this a long time ago. And I felt like instant guilt, but like, obviously, you know, the Lord has taken care of that. You know, I'm not carrying a burden of how many years of being married and not praying out loud for him. But I just saw how it comforted him. And I was like, okay, I need to start praying out loud for him more, you know, with him in the room with me. And, and it really did encourage, encourage him. And I didn't even know that's what he needed or wanted to be to be spiritually encouraged in that moment. Because for me, I'm like, well, you got this, like, especially because I feel like our dynamic, I always think of him as the more spiritually mature person in our marriage. Because I know in a lot of marriages, it it all looks different. Every marriage is different. But I think in our marriage, like, I always look at him like he prays all the time. He's reading his Bible every day. Like, he's fine. You know, (laughs) I don't, I pray for him when I'm praying praying, um, privately, but I never think to, like, ask him if he needs me to pray for him about something because I'm like, he's fine, you know? But I... It really did. Like, I was really surprised. And then I was like, okay, I need to start doing this because this is a way that I can be a helpmate to him in a different way. Because, yeah, there, we're in a season right now where somebody else is cleaning my house because of nice. how, yeah, which is nice. But, okay. <laughs> but it does, it's yeah. nice. It's nice because it, our house is clean. It's not nice because I, I physically right. can't, you know. <laughs> in a lot of ways and so that's kind of the season we're in right now so i i relate to a like okay i'm not i can't i'm not cleaning what who am i what am i doing you know and so i still do the majority of the cooking i usually have enough energy for that because i can always sit and do it or make it work but the cleaning is really physically like it it takes a lot out of me i get it (laughs) i get it and so i was like okay like even if I'm not cleaning my own home right now, like I can still pray for mm-hmm. my husband. You know, there's other ways that I can be right. encouraging him spiritually. You know, that it's, it's my whole, my whole identity as a help, as a helpmate and a homemaker isn't just exclusively for cooking and cleaning, which right. we talked about in our homemaking versus housekeeping episode, which if you guys haven't listened to that, please go listen. I That was a really good conversation about the differences and what we should emphasize on, because I think it really does take a lot of, not the pressure or the burden, not that cooking and cleaning are a burden. It can be for some people, but for me, it's not really a burden, but it physically is right now a burden. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of where I'm at. So I feel like I definitely need to be I haven't thought to study him, like you said, because he's home right now. He's working at home full time. And I, even though I'm only home half the day, like I can spend that time kind of seeing what, what he needs throughout the day and how can I meet those needs, even if I can't do all the things I normally am right. able to do, you know? Right. <laughs> okay. So 
moving on to our, our last um, topic of discussion. Um, you've been instrumental in my life, um, discipling me in different seasons of my life. And I'm sad because you can't physic like physically be there for me as much as you were a few years ago. But um, I'm thankful for you and other women in my life that are older women that are versed in the word that have discipled me. And I've seen how it has benefited me. But I think that there are still some women that are younger like me that don't really understand why they need discipleship from an older woman, um, what that looks like, how they can seek that out. You know, I, I feel like we've lost that in our church culture a lot of the older women teaching the younger women. It's something that we say a lot in our podcast, but can we flesh that out a little bit? Why do we need that? And how can we do it? Yeah. Um, it's, 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 biblically um mandated right yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> so that's one one reason why we should um i think every believer needs to be discipled at every point of their life yeah i mean you're never you're never gonna arrive mm-hmm. you know there's always going to be someone older and wiser more mature that can help walk with you um in life um we, but Marissa, mm-hmm. I have my girlfriends. I have my <laughs> husband. Why do I need an older woman? Like, why can't I just talk to my girlfriends about all my problems? Or why can't I just go to my husband with all the stuff I'm going yeah. through? I mean, I'm sure you can get biblical advice. And if your friends are believers and your husband is obviously a believer and your spiritual leader, like, I think, yeah, like our husbands should be discipling us. They yeah. should be discipling us. But there are aspects about the body that the Lord created for us to be a part of. Mm-hmm. And one of those things is learning from other godly women. And Titus 2 lays it out, you yeah. know? Um, and I think, that, I think that older women lose out as much as younger women lose out when they're not discipling and being discipled. Hmm. Because that's the way the Lord created the body to function. In the church, you have older women in the Lord teaching younger women how to love their husbands, how to, you know, love their children, how to how to worship the Lord in practical ways as a wife. Yeah. Now your husband can help disciple you in being a believer. Yeah. Totally. You know, but there's aspects about submission and about just the difficulties that women face that that even in their best attempt, because God's God's word is totally sufficient. If right. all you had was your husband and you don't have any other, you know, women around you, like mm-hmm. God's word is sufficient and your husband is is more than capable of discipling you. But there's something special that the Lord does when he has an older woman, older women teaching younger women what mm-hmm. it looks like to walk down a road that they've they've walked over and circled around a couple times, <laughs> you know, learning from their mistakes, yeah. you know, like there's you just don't know what you don't know, right? And when you've been married a certain number of years, you have knowledge of what things look like. Maybe something might be a crisis in your first two years and you ask someone who's been married, you know, 10 years Mm -hmm. and they say, yeah, that's a big deal. But if you do X, Y, and Z, you'll see. 
everything is going to be okay. Mm, yeah. As opposed to going to your girlfriend who's probably going through the same thing or whatever. You're like, we're, we're, we're all drowning together. You know, we're going to get a divorce. Like, you know, yeah. like, so yeah, your friends can offer you wisdom, but not the wisdom that an older, more yeah. mature, godly woman, woman can offer. And then, like I said, Older women lose out when they're not discipling younger women because they're not operating in the way that they should be. Yeah. And not only that, older women grow when they disciple younger women. Right. They grow too. And then not only that, there's a friendship that develops. Like we're friends. Yeah. You know? (laughs) So like I've gained so much, you know, from, from you opening your, your life up to me. Yeah. You know, and I open my life up to you. It's not like a one way street where you know, I, I, I share my life with you too. Yeah, no. And yeah, I think I have seen how it's not like very, I, I feel like if you first start, it feels really formal and like weird. And I think we did have an advantage because you and I were already had kind of history and mm-hmm. rapport, but I can understand how some women can be intimidated by how formal it might feel. Right, right. But I do agree that there, there, there is blessings when you're doing what the Lord has commanded, you know, the women in the church to function and a friendship is a huge blessing out of that. Mm-hmm. Um, so how, okay. So say somebody's listening to our podcast right now and they're like, man, I really desire that. I don't know how to approach the women in my church or how to seek that out. How, how would you encourage them to do that? Well, I encourage you to be people watchers. Um, look at the women in your church and look at their marriage. Look at their husbands. You look at their, you look at her life. Mm-hmm. It, the only way you're going to be able to do that is if you're a member and you're in, involved in church life. Yeah. So, you know, if you're, if you're in the church and you're having your eyes on people because you're around them, you learn who they are, how they interact with their children, how they interact with their spouse, how their spouse interacts with them. Mm-hmm. So just look at people. And then when you see a woman and you pray about it and you say, you know what? I, I desire to be discipled. Lord, please help me, you know, with this decision, give me wisdom. Who should I approach? Yeah. And after you've kind of singled out a woman right. or whatever, like approach her, you know, that's that. I remember, um, at the, the church that we came from before Ray came here to pastor, um, a young lady came up to me and uh, and she just came into the nursery and I was like serving in the nursery and so we were, mm-hmm. we were kind of closing up and she just approached me and she said, you know, I've been I've been watching you for a while and you know I I admire whatever she said I can't remember yeah. exactly and she said would you consider discipling me and I and I said yeah let me let me talk to Ray. Let me, yeah. let me pray about it. And I feel so honored that you would even, you know, think yeah. that. And no, so, really cool. you know, she, she did that. And then, I mean, to this day, we have a really great friendship, yeah. you know? <laughs> um, and then other times I've seen, I've seen women and not every woman wants to be discipled. So that's an interesting thing. Um, I've seen women that I've desired to disciple and I just pray and I ask the Lord, I, you know, I really want to disciple this, this young lady. Um, if it's your will, would you bring it about, mm-hmm. you know, uh, organically? Yeah. It's not all awkward yeah. and stuff. <laughs> 
Um, Because I've asked young ladies, can I disciple you? And they're like, yeah, but they don't want to be discipled. So it doesn't go anywhere. Yeah. You have coffee once or twice and that's like about it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So a discipleship relationship should look like follow me as I follow Christ and also a friendship and also being willing to be open to correction. Absolutely. To open to, you know, having a teachable spirit, Mm -hmm. um, honesty, integrity, you know, all those things contribute to a good discipleship relationship. That's awesome. Great advice, Marissa. Um, okay. So whew, I'm like exhausted, I know. <laughs> <laughs> but in a good way, like okay. I'm like, I feel full right now. So let's take a quick break and I want to hear a homemaking fail from you. So we'll be right back. I don't know about you, but I'm always on the hunt for a convenient shopping experience. However, too much of the stuff we buy today is made without any thought of how it will affect our families and the world tomorrow. What if there was an all-around better way to shop? With the convenience that we all want and the confidence that everything is made, packaged, and shipped sustainably. Earth Hero is exactly that. Earth Hero is a one-stop shop for all your sustainable and eco-friendly products. They have so many products ranging from beauty supplies, cleaning products, homeware, clothing, baby essentials, and so much more. Join us today on our sustainable journey by using promo code YOUNGANDWIFEDUP for 10% off your entire purchase. Make sure to click the Earth Hero link on our website at youngandwifedup.com to start shopping today. Okay, Marissa, you got it. Do you have a good homemaking fail for us? I do. So, I'm scared. <laughs> so uh, there's a few that I was thinking about, but... Um, I'll I'll tell you this one because it okay. was just hilarious. I'm okay, so <laughs> okay, so you know those tasty view, uh, videos on Facebook or whatever. Oh, like, girl. Yes. Okay, so one one day um, I came across a tasty video on it's like it was like a shrimp boil, and it had like you know andouille sausage and corn on the cob and shrimp and I think potatoes or like something like that. Feast. Yes. <laughs> and you, you know, wrap them in, in tin foil and then you like put them on the grill or whatever. And I was like, you know what? Ray would really like that. And so me and Alicia went to the store and we went to, and we got the good stuff. Like we went to <laughs> the, the butchers, like, mm-hmm. and we, and we got like the shrimp there and like the sausage there. And, you wow. know, we got, we got the good stuff and we came home and we were all excited. And, um, so everything was fine. I put, you're supposed to put them on the grill. So I put them on the grill and I'm in the kitchen. And then all of a sudden, Alicia is like screaming and she's like, mom, the grill's on fire. And I was like, what? (laughs) So I ran out there and I was so panicked. We were both full on panicking. (laughs) We were like, we were like, oh no. And we were like running around in circles, like turning around and in in the same, okay. I was literally in the same spot turning around in circles, okay? <laughs> and she's like, what are we going to do? And I'm like, I don't know. Because you can't, like, just spray anything on there. Yeah. That's the grill. It's the propane. And we didn't Mind know what you. to do. So I turned off. I, I think I turned it off. And then I got the hose. Oh, my gosh. And I, <laughs> and I hosed it. And then so so oh we go no. inside. And I'm like, what do we... I'm like, let's, let's just, let's just check to see if like, if they're ruined or whatever. So I go and we get the, we get them off the grill and I take them inside and they're like black. Oh, but we're like, seafood is expensive. But we're like, we're not going to let this go to waste. No! <laughs> we ate it. No. <laughs> yes, we ate it. Me and, okay, me and Alicia ate it. 
Okay, okay. So Ray was at seminary and he was gonna he used to have really late nights. So yeah. I didn't cook his on the grill yet. Okay. I was gonna save it, right? So he comes home and his grill is burnt. Okay. It's <laughs> burnt. And um I tell him what happened. So he goes out there and and he turns on the grill and it's still working, thank God. And he cooks his to perfection, okay? And he comes inside and he's eating it. And I just remember looking at him and I was like yeah, must must be nice. <laughs> you know, have your nice shrimp oh, boil. Back. I'm so glad you had the foresight to not put his stuff on the grill because I know, I, oh. I know. But still, oh my gosh, all that stuff is so expensive too. I know. And it's like, oh. No, but it's hilarious. Like when I was thinking about it, I I just I can't <laughs> help but it, it was a really good memory memory with me and Alicia. Yeah, like we were just a bonding moment. We were like. <laughs> freaking out we didn't know what to do and it was just it was hilarious wow thank you for sharing your trauma (laughs) with us (laughs) that is awesome it's so funny because a couple weeks ago we shared a homemaking fail from one of our listeners that was also because of a tasty video really I think she said, okay, if you guys remember, um, she's actually my neighbor and she's a, she's a listener of our podcast and she talked about how she watched this tasty video <laughs> on how to make chicken nachos <laughs> and she put raw chicken on the nachos. Oh no! Yeah, dude. Oh my gosh! And then she thought it would cook with the nachos! <laughs> I'm like, those tasty videos, man, there's like some bad juju with them. I know. <laughs> I'm like, does, does anybody get a successful... I don't, I don't know. <laughs> like, they're so nice to watch, but like... I don't know. I just don't think anything good comes from that. <laughs> okay, guys. Thank you so much for joining us today. And Marissa, thank you so much thank for, you for having me. Yeah, this has been so fun. And please, everybody, head to her blog, Encouraged Crumb. I'll make sure I'll make sure to link it in the website. And we'll talk to you guys next week. Bye.